Okay, this is great. We've got a fantastic turnout tonight, so I won't hold things up. I know everyone's eager to get going. Guys, we'll start with the, uh, the usual survey. Can I please have hands in the air who's new to the hive tonight? Fantastic. Welcome. Yarrow pulls the crowd. <laughs> Guys, uh, just an introduction for all of you who are new. Uh, the Hive ethos is all about giving back. We are a non-profit organisation. Uh, there's no cost involved tonight, as, as you know. Uh, and myself, Walter and Nick volunteer our time each month to make this happen. So what we do is we put on monthly events for all of you on the last Tuesday of every month. We get some inspirational speakers along to come and share their stories and we try and create a platform for people to come along, meet some friends with no pressure to buy anything or sell to each other, just come along and have a good time. So please make the most of that opportunity, get around and introduce yourselves uh, and hopefully take away some new friends and opportunities from tonight. Now just to reiterate, um, because we are a non-profit, we do rely on the help of our sponsors. So thank you very much to Greystone Bar for hosting us tonight. Uh, and also bring around the nibble platters that some of you may have seen. Uh, we'd also like to thank Locally Estate Wines, who sponsor our speakers' gifts. And we've got national sponsors that sponsor our events throughout Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne, who are Deloitte Digital and RMIT University. So I won't bore you with any more details, I'll get on to Yarrow. As most of you know, Yarrow is an internet entrepreneur. He's been around on the scene for many, many years and he's got quite a reputation that precedes him, so I won't tell his story for you. Uh, but Yarrow's been involved in, founded and managed many internet businesses uh, and I think he's most famous for blogging and teaching people how to blog and make money out of that. So without further ado, please welcome Yarrow Starrick. Thank you guys. I have a uh, presentation that usually takes about an hour to do and we're going to try and put it into 15-20 minutes. And I'm also not used to you all standing so close to me, so I need you to all cross the road, get over there, make me a lot more comfortable. Um, I am a professional blogger, so I like to ask people when I do a talk like this who actually knows what a blog is. So if you could raise your hand so I can get a, a feel for where you're all at. All right, you all look fairly experienced, so I'm not going to talk too much about what blogging is. I'll just give you the background. Before I do that, just to give you a picture of where I'm at now, I like to, uh, I guess, paint a, a goal to aim for and what you can hopefully work towards with uh, um, whatever you do online or with your business. So who here has heard of the four-hour work week as a book? A lot of fans? All right. So I've actually been living a similar sort of lifestyle to that for about the last five years, and it's been mostly thanks to blogging. So in um, 2008, I did a around-the-world trip for eight months, and if I had my my presentation here, I'd show you some great slides from places like Dubai, uh, New York, Singapore, uh, Montreal, uh, Rome, London. Basically, I went from Brisbane and did a complete circle around the globe, packed my laptop with me. I was blogging the whole time I was traveling around and uh, also making a really good living. In fact, that year was, uh, well, the 08, 09 tax year was my best year for income, and we did about half a million dollars in revenue while I was traveling. So it's obviously... Um, as, a, as an end picture, pretty incredible, but it's been 10 years for me to get to that point. So what I'd like to do now is basically take you on a little journey back in time and explain uh, where I came from and, and how, the, how, how all this started. Um, by now, you probably figured out that I have an accent. I've um, actually got Canadian background, but I'm born and raised in Brisbane, so this is my hood. Um, I hope most of you are from Brisbane as well, but it's a little bit 
I know you may not believe me. Um, I had a, a, a couple of parents who are Canadian. I'm a big fan of Sesame Street growing up, and I just picked up this accent, so it's a little bit of a, a mixed thing. But I went to the University of Queensland in 1997. I graduated high school and, and joined UQ, and that was my first taste of the internet. I got a free uh, dial-up internet access account and started to fall in love with the internet as a result of that. So. I don't know if you guys were online back then, but this was before before Google. It was back in the day when you had uh, LookSmart, AltaVista, Lycos, and I can see some people smiling. That means you you know those days. It, it was uh, the early day, really, when the internet was just starting off. Um, I did things like used IRC. I was uh, playing in uh, forums and just learning how the internet worked, and that was basically uh, my my process. And as a result of doing that, I started to get really excited about what the internet could potentially deliver to people, but I was still a university student. I was you know, trying to figure out my place in the world, but one of the things I was doing at the time, and I'm always a bit embarrassed to talk about this in public, but back in the day I used to play a card game called Magic the Gathering. Now, does anyone here know what that is? Please raise your hand to help me feel the, the geeky vibe here. I notice it's all guys. I'm not surprised about that, but yeah, it's it's a card game. Two girls? Where's the girls who raise their hands? It's <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's not embarrassing, is it? My oh, okay. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's fairly predominantly male-dominated um, sports. They call it a mind sport, but basically it's kind of like poker mixed with your Dungeons and Dragons. So you've got your elves and your dragons and all that sort of thing, but it's very strategic as well. And there's actually a competitive tournament scene around the world where there's players who play magic cards for a living and they can make you know upwards of six figures a year traveling around and competitively uh, playing tournaments so for a time about when I was 16, 17, 18, 19 I played this game and I started playing competitively and really it, it was my life for a while and as a result of doing that I wanted to start a website devoted to this card game so I started a uh, well I went to a service called GeoCities I don't know if you guys have heard of that, it's quite old, but it was a very basic website building tool to uh, create a website. I used it, I hated it, it didn't give me much control over my website. I wasn't a tech person, but you know, it, it was a tool to begin with. And it's actually funny when I, I think back to this time because there was a moment where I got so frustrated with the GeoCities tool that I wanted to go and um, become better at building websites. But I wasn't sure about it. So I went to uh, Brookside Shopping Center in Mitchelton. I grew up in Mitchelton. Uh, anyone here from Mitchelton? That's my real hood. All right. Yeah. So uh, I went to Brookside, and I went to the bookshop, and there was this textbook called Teach Yourself HTML in 24 Hours. And I don't know about you, but when I was in university, I didn't like reading textbooks, and I often didn't. And what the idea of actually buying a textbook to use it was pretty uh, revolutionary for me. I almost didn't do it, but I did buy the textbook and taught myself HTML, not in 24 hours, took a little longer than that, but I picked up some skills and some basic website stuff. Now, that led to almost everything I did from that point forward. So for me, that was a huge turning point. It led to part-time jobs, uh, it led to using the internet, making websites, and pretty much what I do today, running a blog. So it was a turning point for me. From there, I basically launched a website called uh, Magic the Gathering Paradise. It was a, a, a website devoted to the card game and became really popular because people started trading cards on that website. Now, what's amazing, and this is a real tip for you guys if you ever start a website and you want something to be hands-off, so sort of four-hour workweek-ish, you know, get some high leverage, 
Start a website where the reason the website exists is for people to come and create value without you participating in it. In this case with the Magic site, I had a trading forum where people would come and swap cards, and they'd come there and interact with each other, buying and selling and trading, regardless of whether I did anything with that website. And that made it popular, and that got traffic. And from that point, I actually monetized the site by adding banners, and that was my first ever online income stream, which for me was about $500 a month, and I was at university, so it meant I didn't have to get a job cleaning toilets or anything like that. So. And that, that website was literally the, uh, the place I cut my teeth. I, I learned the basics of how to get traffic to a website. I learned how to get sponsors and attract advertisers. Um, I learned everything about building links, marketing. It was a real big learning experience for me. And from there, I don't know if you remember, again, this is early 2000s, it, it was the dot-com boom. Now, I was really excited about the potential of the internet and like a lot of people I thought I might be able to sell out one day some sort of internet company and make millions of dollars. Now unfortunately my magic website didn't have that kind of outcome. I did eventually sell it for uh, about $13,000 and that was a pretty big deal at the time but what I wanted to do next was start a real business. I didn't really consider the card game site a real business but my next project was a proofreading service called Better Edit. Now has anyone here heard of this service? Probably. I didn't ask at the beginning, but who here actually reads my blog? Am I talking to people? You all know the story, so don't fall asleep, all right? Um, so the proofreading business was a, a business that was actually kind of inspired by eBay. Now, I don't know if you've uh, spent much time at eBay. You probably all have. But the beautiful thing about eBay, it runs under a business model called a many-to-many -many business model, which means just like I was talking about the card store, the people who come to list auctions and the people who come to buy the products, that can operate without you necessarily doing anything. So you act as a middleman. And the beautiful thing about that is you've got infinite scale on both the supply and the demand curve, and you're in control of that. You take your little cut. And for me, that was something I really was impressed by, and I wanted to have a business that did something similar to that. So this proofreading business was my attempt. So how this service worked was I had people who were um, professional editors, usually PhD students or even some retired lecturers, and I'd have them um, basically edit and give some advice to people, usually from an international background where English was a second language. And that happened online, electronically, and I, I, I facilitated that service. And that was my very first, I guess, what I call a proper business. So I treated it like a business. Now, there was something I did around this time to help grow that business that you may have heard of it being entrepreneurs. It's called the, uh, the NICE program, um, New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. Is anyone here actually on that or been on that? So a few, okay. I don't know if you guys have, it's worth looking up this if you're just getting started with your business. It's called NICE, New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. It may have a different name now. It was many years ago that I was on this, but basically it's a government uh, grant program where you get given about $200 a week to live off and to grow your business. So I, uh, I use that. I went, there's a, there's a process to go through. You have to do a, a business plan. You have to do an interview and do a little small course. And once you're on it, you get a whole support for a year. And that was, for me, a really big deal because I wasn't really sure whether my business would work. So what, the, what I then did once I was on the NICE program was focus 100% on this proofreading business. Now, one of the, the beautiful things about that business, although at the time it didn't seem very beautiful for me, was we marketed it with posters. And basically, I would print out uh, posters I hand-designed, and I'd go to University of Queensland, I'd go to QUT, I'd go to Griffith Campus in Brisbane, and I'd put up these posters to bring in clients. Now, 
it was kind of it was fun in the sense that I got to ra walk around campuses all day, but it was also eventually became quite boring. But one of the perks about it, um, I have Canadian family, so I I've been on campuses around the world, and I've put up posters in uh, University of Hawaii, uh, British Columbia, and Canada, Toronto, uh, all kinds of places around the world, and it gave me a taste for I guess being able to travel with your business. So. And it also helped grow my business. That was the main marketing tool we used besides online search. So the proofreading business went really well. I uh, basically made a full-time income, and it, it eventually became the four-hour work week. So uh, who here, now I think I asked before, most of you have heard of the four-hour work week. So basically we're talking about working a few hours a day or even a week and making a full-time income so you have lots of spare time. Now that proofreading business was something that I wanted to set up along the lines of the four-hour work week. So the very first thing I did once I was established with Cashflow was actually hire an admin person to coordinate the emails. And that effectively left me with maybe half an hour a day of work to keep that business going. And for me that was incredible on one side of the fence. I had ample free time. I know maybe you don't know about this, but when you get a lot of free time, it's actually a pretty scary thing. Uh, it, you can start going a little crazy. You have too much time to yourself. So there is a tip I can give you guys who are you're all entrepreneurs here. You know what it's like. You need to uh, get a social life. I really recommend you do that. Um, I had a bit of trouble with that early on with my internet marketing. I was sitting in front of the computer, but eventually I figured it out. I met lovely people like yourselves, all of us being entrepreneurs here. So you know, attend events like Hive is a great thing to do. And nowadays I have a friendship circle that's a lot more entrepreneur orientated which has you know, been wonderful. But back then, it was tough. So, but the fact was, I was living the four-hour work week, which is really fantastic. What happened next was literally, I guess, the point that really changed my life. And I went from making a, a full-time income to six figures online, and then half a million dollars online. The story goes, I was running this proofreading business, and I had a friend who came up to me and said, uh, blogs are these new things that are really good for getting traffic from search engines to your website. Now, I had no idea what a blog is, so like a good entrepreneur, I went online and did some research, and I, I really didn't get it. Um, I didn't know the difference between a blog and a website, so I installed one, and I played with it, and experienced what it's like to have a blog, and uh, long story short, running a blog about the subject of proofreading is exceptionally boring. And that was my first taste of blogging. I was trying to grow a proofreading business using a blog and failed miserably, basically. I, I wrote for about three months in the late 2004 and then gave up. But what I did next was register a domain name. It's called entrepreneurs-journey.com and then started writing stories, basically, of my experiences, like I just told you. So. I, I, I missed a few stories. I, I've run an English school at one point. Uh, I've had lots of websites. I've bought and sold websites for profit. I've done some website flipping. So I've, I've done a lot of different little things. And I started this blog and basically told stories of these experiences. And it was essentially a hobby. I was doing it just for the experience of writing a blog. And the very strange things that happened next is people actually started reading it. and. Um, and keep reading it, and they start telling their friends. And a lot of people here, I think, have read the blog, which to me still kind of surprises me, because a lot of you know a lot more about me than I know about you, which is actually kind of scary at the same time. But it's one of the, I guess, the perks you'd call of blogging. And since 2005, up to this present point, I've basically been doing that. Uh, I've written at least two or three articles a week to my blog 
four or five years straight. Um, I've traveled and made sure I've been writing the blog. Um, I've uh, basically turned it into a, a mini business empire, is this way of putting it. And it's still run basically by me with a handful of contractors. So. I know there's a question people are always asking, and I'm going to answer it for you, is exactly how do blogs make money? And I'm sure some of you have that question right now. So there are essentially three ways. If you were taking notes, now I guess would be the time to do so. Yeah, there you go. So number one is actually advertising. Now, I make the most consistent form of income from advertising, which is basically banners and text links placed on my blog by sponsors. And my blog has been generating somewhere between $1,000 and $3,000 a month from advertising for about four years. So it's fairly consistent. It's not the, the biggest source of income, but it's very dependable. And as long as you're building your audience and satisfying them with content and giving value, then you can do uh, make money from advertising. Number two is affiliate income. Now, who here knows what affiliate marketing is? All right, there's a few good guys here. Just as a brief rundown, essentially you're promoting other people's products and getting a commission when you make a sale. So what you can do is recommend an ebook, and it might be $50. If you sell it through your link, you get $25. So I promote other people's products and courses in my industry. And that's, that's sometimes worth as much as $100,000 for one product over a couple of years. So that's the best performing affiliate products I've got. And then number three, which is by far the best source of income for me, has been having my own products. And that's, in my case, uh, been courses. So I started a training program called Blog Mastermind. I have another one called Membership Site Mastermind. And one I did with a partner named Gideon uh, called Become a Blogger. And it's all in the, the space of blogging. Obviously, that's what I'm positioned at now as an expert, and that's what I teach. So these courses are essentially... I just sat down, and for six months, I'd write a lesson. I'd record an audio version of the lesson. I'd do an interview with other expert bloggers. And I put all this stuff into a membership site and distribute it one lesson a week over six months, and people go through the process of, of building their own blog. And uh, I've had several thousand people go through the courses over the last couple of years. And that's been my most dependable and significant source of income stream as well. So you know, if you have any knowledge in your head right now, and it's in a marketplace that people have uh, you know, demand or, or problems that need solving, then you potentially have the same uh, possibilities, I guess, to sell ebooks or courses or something like that. Now, that, that pretty much sums up the story. I'm, I'm still right there. That's where I'm at now. I write my blog on a, a regular basis. Um, what I've got, I've got a few more points I'd like to just cover in terms of these are the things that have made a big difference to me in terms of mindset. And then what I really like to do is open up to questions because I know for me, when I was studying internet marketing, I had a lot of questions because it's a little bit, I guess, confusing. The technology can be scary. So I'd like to help you as much as I can in that area. Just a couple of things before I do that, though. Um, I mentioned technology before. Now, I'm, although I taught myself HTML, I'm by far not a tech person. So one of the first things I recommend you do, I tell people this over and over again, they still don't do it, but I hope that's not you guys, is to get yourself someone who's capable of building websites and doing graphics and, and that sort of thing for you. And that, that will alleviate so much pressure, it will give you momentum so much easier, and you don't have to worry about trying to understand things like HTML. You know, I spent a good two or three years building my own websites, which I essentially, I don't call it a waste of time, but it was a very slow process, not making much money. So getting yourself some tech help, very good idea. All right, who here has heard of the 80-20 rule? Pareto principle. All right, that's really good. 
this this is a principle that I came across, and it's it's kind of funny because what happened? I graduated from university and I got my business management degree, and I immediately went into my own business. And I was sitting at home working on the computer, kind of bored because I was doing a little bit of work, and most of the time I had not much else to do. And my friends had all gone into full-time jobs. They were making fifty thousand dollars a year as accountants, as lawyers, whatever industry they were going into. And frankly, I thought I was doing something wrong. I thought I was potentially lazy. And then I discovered this 80-20 rule, which is almost like justification for being lazy. Now, just for those who don't know what it is, it essentially means there's a small number of outcomes that, uh, sorry, a small number of activities you do, or in general, that cause a lot of outcomes. In which case, it might be said 20% of the inputs are responsible for 80% of the output. And uh, it's also called the Pareto principle. It's the uh, he's an economist who came up with this. And he did a, a massive study, everything from productivity in a company to the distribution of wealth in on our planet. How most you know, there's a small number of people who have most of the money. There's a small number of people in an organization that are responsible for the outputs. There's a small number of people who are most responsible for the pollution on this planet. All those sort of things. There's an 80-20 skew, and it was incredible how often that would be the case when they studied this. And it really applies to what we do as well as entrepreneurs. There's only a small amount of things that we should be good at and we should focus on and become uh, you know, professionals at, experts at. So in my case, I decided that writing was going to be my thing. And I found that out through blogging, that writing was what I was good at and sharing information and teaching people. So as soon as I realized that was my thing, I tried to minimize all the other tasks that I did and have other people do them or find business models that could really leverage my writing because that's where I could get the most value from it. So my courses, my blog, my email newsletter, all these things are back off the back of my writing and continue to deliver value to people even when I'm not necessarily writing new content. So you need to figure out in your business what it is that's your strength and really try and construct the business around you to give you the freedom from which to focus on whatever your 80-20 uh, skill set are. One of the most common questions I'm asked when I teach blogging is, how do you find what's a profitable niche? And more importantly, I'm really passionate about tennis and I want to be able to make money from it. So how can I make what I know about and what I'm passionate about uh, a profitable uh, business? Unfortunately, there's no golden rule here, but what I found in my own experience is what you want to do is find the congruency between a problem that a lot of people have, so something really urgent, something maybe they're suffering from it or maybe they're rationally passionate about it, and there's enough people online looking for information or looking for help in the world about this issue that you can then sort of skew, take what you know and turn into that solution. And this is not as tricky as it sounds. Most of the time, you can actually take what you already know and basically reframe it, change the way you offer it to the world to apply to the problem that people have. So although I write about all kinds of subjects and I do all kinds of different things on the Internet, most people know me as the guy who teaches people how to make money from blogs. Personally, I don't like the label because it's so linear and it's, uh, you know, I don't feel that's me. But in terms of presentation to the marketplace, that is the message I need to give to people because that's their most pressing problem. They want to learn how to make money. And I'm sure most of you here, if you're taking notes right now, are interested in how to make money online. That's why you're here. So you need to find a way to congr you know, make the, the alignment there between what you're good at and what people want. That's really important. Just a couple more. Okay. Um, I'm often asked if I was to go back and do it again, 
what are the highest leverage points in what I did. So what gave me the greatest outcome? So what, you know, in my business are the 80-20 aspects. I've got four very simple points that you need to consider if you're going online. Number one is your email list. Uh, I added an email list to my blog and it literally eventually tripled the value of my business. So if I didn't have a, an email newsletter along with a blog, I'd have a business worth about one-third the value. And that's simply because email is still something that I suspect all of you have checked today. That's something that everyone does still every day. Well, you don't necessarily read blogs every day, but you're probably looking for an email from a, a partner or a family member or, or whatever. Maybe you love spam. I don't know. But it's something that is going to interest you in your email. So have an email list. Uh, number two, give away tremendous free value. My business has been built on this. There's a concept called moving the free line. This essentially means that what you used to sell to people, you now give away for free instead. And that's what my business has been based on. I, I write content not necessarily asking for anything other than attention to begin with. And people don't have to buy my products. Most people haven't. Maybe 1%, maybe probably even less than that of my entire audience will ever give me money in any kind of way. They just benefit from my writing. I've written some free reports. That helps with the traffic. If you write an amazing free report, it will go viral. Um, who here has read my Blog Profits Blueprint report? Okay, so there's a few people here. So you know, that's a good example. It, it, it's gone all around the world, been downloaded by thousands of people. I give it away for basically for free. You have to join my newsletter to get it. But it's given me exposure to amazing people, very successful people, and, and lots of um, you know, uh, people who benefit from the writing. So being prepared to give away what you do, often your best ideas, is really the secret to succeeding online. And that's in any business nowadays. You have to provide value. It doesn't matter what you do, if it's software as a service, if it's information publishing, um, if it's physical products, you're still basing your business on the value you give to people for free up front. And that's how you can get the traffic. Um, number three, affiliates. Okay, so affiliate marketing has been massive for me. Uh, by that I mean I have an army of people who actually promote my products for me. So if any of you are running an online business and you haven't added an affiliate program, strongly recommend you find a way to do so. It's just helped um, spread my, my brand, my business, my, my information to so many more people because we have to face facts that people are often motivated by money. So the incentive of a commission is a very good, powerful tool to, to help the distribution of your information. And just lastly, this is a little bit complicated, I can't really cover it in this uh, talk, but doing an online launch is something that I've benefited from tremendously, which in a nutshell is like what they do for cinema when they release a new film. You'll find billboards everywhere, you'll get interviews with actors, you'll have uh, maybe some stunts, you know, Richard Branson's created this sort of thing. Just a lot of hypey, exciting information about one subject in a compacted period of time to build the intensity to build the excitement around something. And you can do that online with your information. And I've done that about eight or nine times now, and it's always resulted in the most success business-wise as well as getting my word out to you know, many people. And if you want more information about that, I, I just recommend you uh, read some of the content on my blog. So I don't know, how am I going for time? I keep going? All right. Um, I'll, I'll end this on what I think personally are the keys to a, a, a two-hour work day or a four-hour work week, whatever you want to call it, since I know a lot of people are excited by that idea. Uh, in my case, I think the most important things are leverage. So you need to find a way to create something that might take a bit of work initially, but eventually the momentum behind it, whether it's because you're selling information that people can consume over and over again regardless of whether you're there or not, 
maybe it's employees. Employees give you tremendous leverage. Uh, maybe it's just the business model you're using, like an eBay or something like that, where you've got the relationship where your customers create the value. You need some kind of leverage. If it's you providing a service or doing the grunt work, then you really don't have the leverage. You don't have the scale. You don't have the ability to walk away from it. So if you're a consultant right now or any kind of service deliverer, that's fine. It helps you get cash flow. But just be thinking about how you can turn that to something that's got more leverage. That's a really important aspect. Uh, I've found two other aspects that have been really helpful to me. Education. That's, I guess, a no-brainer. I've studied under some of the best internet marketers out there. Um, I recommend anything by um, Jeff Walker, Frank Kern, Mike Filsame, uh, Rich Sheffrin. There's a lot of uh, well-known internet marketers. Here in Australia, we have Ed Dale, um, Andrew and Daryl Grant. There's a lot of people who are very good at internet marketing, and they give away a lot of information for free. So there's nothing really stopping you from not really spending any money, just spend your time, get yourself educated, and you know, this, this information is available. It is, really is amazing. And the other thing is have a focus. Uh, pick what you're good at and go after that. Really go after it. Like, if I didn't like writing, I wouldn't still be writing five years into blogging. It really is because I like it first and foremost, because I'm passionate about it, because I get not only financial reward, rewards, I get intri intrinsic rewards, I get to speak in front of people like you, I get um, you know, uh, interviews all the time, and it's, it's just uh, you know, emotionally satisfying as well of being a writer, so, or a blogger, whatever you want to call it. So I recommend you find whatever your thing is and, and just go hard at it and find a way to make money from it. And uh, that's pretty much the story. So I'll hand it over to questions if that's all right with you, Mr. Mike. Um, yeah. Okay, the question is do I put different things on my blog and my newsletter? Or when you say different things, you mean content? Like, do I write? <laughs> In, in my news, okay. So do I duplicate my content across the blog and the newsletter? Yes and no. Uh, I will definitely send uh, an email out to direct people to my best blog content, but not every piece of content I produce. So there's a concept in email marketing called the gauntlet, which essentially is the sequence of emails you set up to go out automatically on your newsletter. So when I first created my newsletter, I sat down and once a week, once a week wrote uh, an article, which is only for my newsletter. And it basically took people from starting off not having a blog to having a blog and building traffic to it. And I wrote one newsletter for uh, every week for an entire year and built up 52 or 50 plus emails in that sequence. And if you join my newsletter right now, you actually would start receiving those newsletters, even though I wrote some of them almost four years ago now. And the good thing about that is it's delivering value to people when I'm not there. So that's more of that leverage. So. That goes out regardless. I also will then send out emails for really good blog content and sometimes affiliate promotions as well. When a, a, a partner releases a great video, I'll send people to that video. When I have some news to tell people, um, for example, my business partner Gideon just had uh, uh, his first baby child, so I put that in a newsletter after which recommended a video as well. So there's, you know, the, basically you make it up as you're going along, always thinking about providing value, but also thinking about your business goals at the same time. And, what I've found is you can't provide too much value. Some people will complain and say, you send me too many emails. You know? But your biggest fans, like the, the, you know, the ultra-responsive people who love what you do, they'll take as much as they can get from you, uh, especially your free content. So you know, balance it, but yeah, you, I, I, I send a lot out there. Any more? Heidi. Uh, 
Uh, do you need to have a proof of concept before you start an affiliate program? So you mean you need to have a business that's working before you start an affiliate program? Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, you're selling something and your affiliates won't promote unless it's converting. So you really should have a business that works before you get other people to promote you. But um, well, it depends what you're selling. You know, if you're selling information, you can do a launch, and that's when you usually look for your first partners. And uh, that would be a case of finding people in your industry, getting to know them, asking if you'd be willing to promote what you're doing. And maybe you're launching a new course, and that's what you do. Um, some people just have a physical product. They sell things online. They have an affiliate program. And you know, maybe you're selling, um, I don't know, uh, baby products. Uh, there's no reason why you can't have an army of people selling your baby products if you have a, a shopping cart right now. So assuming you have a business that's got a, a way to take transactions, you can launch an affiliate program when you, whenever you're ready to handle it, basically. So what are the uh, top three tips uh, if you need someone trying to create a product? Okay, so what are my top three tips for someone trying to create a product? Do you mean an information product or...? Software, okay, information or software. Well, um, the most important thing is figuring out there is actually demand for what you're doing. Uh, you need to, I mean, you can go in there kind of blind and throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I've done that before. Um, not a lot sticks, though. So you have to kind of expect that some of it's not going to work. And if you're prepared to waste the time just for the learning process, it doesn't really matter. But a lot of people recommend doing keyword research, so going on Google, seeing what people are searching for, uh, making sure there's other people already selling what you're planning on selling. That's a great way to see whether there's a market that works, seeing if there's advertisers. So I think the most important step is definitely the research process. Um, but as a caveat to that, you have to take some action as well. You, you can do research, but you really need to throw something against the wall um, to really know uh, the outcomes. And you know, I, I had a website that I was really passionate about when I was creating it and I launched it and no one read it whatsoever and then I became a lot less passionate about it as a result so and then it died and it's in my in my website graveyard which I have online so any more no more questions oh sorry hello So what kind of traffic levels do you need on a blog in order to start making money is the question. Yep. There's no specific rule. What I have told people, if you can get to about 500 unique visitors, you're definitely doing better than the average. Now, this is not a strict rule, but in general I found that for every visitor you have, you can make about a dollar a month in return if you use multiple streams of income. And that doesn't hold true forever, but when I started my blog, when I had 5,000 subscribers across you know, my, my newsletter, my blog, my email list, um, I made about $5,000 a month combining advertising and affiliate income. And that sort of kept holding true. When I got to 10,000 subscribers, I was making 10000 a month. So that's, you know, there's no real rule in terms of when you can start trying to make money. You can start from day, day one. You won't make any. Um, that, if that's disheartening for you, I'd recommend not doing it because there's nothing more, I guess, uh, soul-destroying to a, an entrepreneur who's looking for cash flow and they go out there and try and make money and make nothing. If, if that's their only motivation, they're going to give up really quickly. So I'd like to tell people to focus on value first. 
try and get to 500 readers, uh, unique visitors a day. Um, get to know them. Get to know why they're reading you. Understand your market really well. Then you're in a much better position to find sponsors, create products, and, and do all that. But rough rule, 500 unique visitors a day. Cool. All right. I just can't see another. Oh, hello. Good, thank you. is, uh, we have a blog. What's the topic of the blog? Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't catch that. Was it live, live allergy free? So how to deal with allergies. Okay. So the question is how to get traffic to your blog considering things like Twitter, Facebook. Um, is there any other? Uh, email, etc. Okay. Um, traffic building is really a day-long seminar to answer the question, to be honest. But I can tell you from my own experience, search engine traffic from Google is the number one source of new visitors. And that comes because I've got content. I've been consistently putting out content for years, and I've built links coming from other websites. That, that's the short story. It's a much longer story. Again, we need more time to do it. Um, Twitter, Facebook, social media is really powerful nowadays, but it takes quite a lot of effort. I'm uh, I'm not lazy. Well, I am lazy, but I'm, I like to use things that are fun. So Twitter and Facebook have sort of risen as the best tools for branding, for awareness. But ultimately, you have to enjoy the socialization factor of using them. And they can help spin off traffic, but as a tool themselves, I wouldn't rely on only them for your traffic. It's just one technique you can use to bring traffic back to your blog. So... For me, it's search engines, it's joint ventures, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, uh, which reminds me, I need to take a photo of you guys. Um, and then all those things combine to create uh, an asset, really. So um, I, when I started, though, it was me sitting down, writing one article a day, and then I went to other blogs, and I left comments on their blog. I went to forums and participated on the forums every, every single day, and war of attrition, basically, for a good two years. So I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, well, I'm doing that more, like, picking up the forums and leaving the comments on the blogs, but I don't know, it just kind of seems like a waste of time. <laughs> well, if you're not enjoying yourself, then maybe it's a waste of time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if you are enjoying yourself, then stick to it, and, you know, eventually you'll get rewarded if there's a need you're meeting out there. So are you allergy-free? Uh, no, I started to develop a blog, and my girlfriend, she writes the content. Okay. Oh, nice. All right. Okay. <laughs> Howdy. Just on something you just said, you said at the moment, um, Google is the primary source of new business for you. Yeah. Um, that's where you're at now. Where would it, is that, has it always been that way, or is that, I think, what am I trying to say? Google's great because you've sort of got yourself established, uh -huh. but what was it when you started? people like us starting from yep. scratch. Okay, so the question is, if you're just getting started and you don't have the luxury of lots of content already out there, so you're not getting traffic from Google, um, how would you get started? It's sort of the same answer just to that gentleman over there. Um, 
I started with those basic things, commenting, uh, forums. One thing that worked really well for me was doing interviews as a podcast. So while I was running my blog, um, podcasting became really popular. And I always sort of fancied myself as a sort of closet radio jockey for some strange reason. So I wanted to get my voice on the internet as well. And I started to, I got my MP3 player out. I don't have it here, but I just recorded my voice talking and made some of the most boring podcasts you could imagine. But then I figured out, if you interview people, it's a lot better. And um, I went out there and interviewed a bunch of experts. And you know, the good thing about interviewing experts is if they're just getting started, then uh, they'll link to you when you put the podcast up there. And that, I got links from some very well-known bloggers as a result of interviewing them. So that technique still works really well today. It's kind of why we're here now, even at Hive. You just want to learn from people who know things. So um, I, would, I would focus on podcasting, writing articles for other people's blogs. It's called guest blogging, as well as comments and um, uh, forums. But most importantly, make sure you're producing your own content. That's, that has to happen, especially during the first two or three, no, first year, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Um, Richard. Hi, Aaron. Um, I'm doing my best to get the two-hour workday that Nick mentioned. Yeah. Can you give some advice on what's good to outsource and what's good to keep doing yourself? That's a hot topic. So, uh, following the two-hour workday methodology, what would you recommend outsourcing? That's the, yeah, the question. What's good to make sure you keep doing that yourself? I can't answer that second one because you know what you're good at. Um, that's the answer to that question. Um, I outsourced, the very first thing I ever outsourced was email to uh, my assistant Angela, who's a work-at-home mom. And she was having her first baby. She had it. A week later, she started working for me. She was a university friend. Um, wonderful. I mean, I, I hate email now. I don't, I don't hate it, but I, keeping up with it's really tough. So that was one of the very first things that really alleviated a lot of time for me. Um, and technology. Those are the two things I would always say to most people, unless you're already technically savvy, is get your tech sorted and get your email sorted. From there, you can be more proactive. Uh, that's when you can get things like other people building links for you, other people writing content for you. Um, you can have people creating product for you, like people write eBooks, and you can then sell the eBooks if writing's not your thing. Uh, you can have people create the video content for you. Right now, all I actually outsource is my email and my technology. I'm in the process of hiring some more people, but it's really so I get more capacity in, those, in, in technology, so I can build software, so I can build more websites, um, and develop more tools. But that's technical. That's for me. That technology is the greatest challenge. So get that sorted, basically. Cool. No problem. Jeff and David. Yep. Okay, so the question is, did I actively pursue sponsors when I had my, my blog and my, my first website, or did they come to me? Um, with the blog, what I did was I created an advertised page on it, which basically lists my prices, the kind of traffic I'm getting, the different ad units I make available. And that, um, right now, is all I actually use to, they come to me, long story short, now. But that's because I have traffic. With the Magic site, way back uh, many years ago, I just I thought logically, uh, all right, I've got a website full of magic geeks. Who's currently selling some magic geeks? So I went to the card shops, um, some online card shops, and they basically, most of them said no. A handful of them said yes, I'll give you $50 a month or $100 a month for a banner, and away you went. So if you're just getting started, you, you have to be proactive. This is a simple story. I uh, know with your 4 
Uh, Business-wise, you mean, or in general. in general? Okay, the question is, with the four-hour work week, what am I doing with my life um, <laughs> now? Um, I have to mention Rob, my tennis coach here. He's, he's standing in the back there. He's uh, I'm a big fan of tennis, so I spend a bit of time losing um, and getting coached. Uh, I've got some friends here. Oh, I should mention Tun, Asian Fever. I, I had to say him. There's some friends here, Albors, JJ. So I hang out with a bunch of entrepreneurs. Um, Normal life stuff, guys. Go to movies, eat dinner, uh, you know, going out. Um, I, I like to skate, skateboard, rollerblade. Um, in terms of projects, yeah, I, you've kind of got me at a transition point. I'm starting a few different projects. Um, Mwangi, my friend here, we're starting an iPhone and iPad application development service. That's why we're looking for developers right now. So we think I, I, oh, apps in general is a really, I guess, you know, new market that's ripe. Um, we want to get good at that, so we're looking. Uh, no one steal that idea. I know you guys won't. You're not entrepreneurs, so um, yeah, we're we're going after that market. I've got a a plugin I'd like to get developed, um, but basically I'm still blogging. That's you know, the short answer. That keeps the machine running, but that's why I'm looking for more outsources. I, I like partnering with people because it motivates me to get more work done. So if you're kind of lazy and you want res like to feel a sense of responsibility marry someone or find a business partner that's you know really the, or do both I guess at the same time that's um that seems to work well, well one last question uh, yeah just with your advertising rates is there some formula Okay, the question is, if uh, given a certain number of traffic, or is there a formula where traffic equals how much you can charge for advertising? Uh, there isn't, because certain leads are worth a lot more. So if you're running a website on real estate, that's going to have a lead that's worth ten, fifteen thousand dollars if they're they get a loan or they buy a property. So you only need maybe a hundred visitors a day of high quality real estate leads and you could be making a lot of money from that. Generally speaking though, most niches you're not going to get that kind of money. And and it's kinda of like the rule I talked about with Gina's question before. If you've got five hundred visitors a day, you can sort of charge about fifty to hundred dollars a month for a banner. It sort of works like that. You might some niches will be less. It's, it's supply and demand. You put it out there, you see what people are, are willing to spend. And in fact, right now, I actually adjust my advertising rates. If I'm not getting many sponsors, I'll lower the price, and I'll find they'll pick up, and then I'll fill up. And when I fill up, I, I raise the price. So you can experiment with it and figure it out. But what I recommend you do right now is go check out my advertise page and model that and come up with a pricing structure based on how much traffic you have at the moment. Okay? Guys, please put your hands together for Yaris Derek. Gary, we've got a, uh, a bottle of wine there for you from Cloverly Estate. Thank a big you. thank you. And thank you to Lauren from Cloverly there. Have a chat to Lauren about their wines. They're fantastic. Um, I have to get a photo. Just while Yara is standing next to me taking a photo to put on Twitter, yeah. um, I'd just actually like to, to say a personal thank you to Yaro. Uh, when I first started the Hive in Brisbane back in uh, the first event, March 2009, uh, Yaro actually waltzed in the front door. I, I'd never met him before, but I certainly knew who he was. Uh, just down the, the road here at the Fox Hotel, and uh, he's come to just about every event ever since. So I'd like to thank him as a as a friend, as a great supporter of the Hive, and now an alumni of the speakers of the Hive. So please thank him once again.